0: Welcome to Dialogues in Afro-Latinidad, a podcast dedicated to amplifying and elevating Afro-Latin American and Afro-Latinx histories, cultures, and communities. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Reed-Vasquez. Join us for conversations with experts and artists to learn more about Afro-Latinidad. Venga! I'm delighted to welcome today's guest, Luana Heche. Luana is a native of Brazil and currently a PhD student at the University of Pittsburgh in the Department of Hispanic Languages and Literatures. Her research interests include Black women's studies, African literature in Portuguese, and Black and or African diaspora. Her awards include a Fulbright Fellowship to the US to teach Portuguese and a National Award of Excellence in teaching Portuguese in the United States. She is also the founder of the collective Adverse Mais Poesia a transnational poetry group to celebrate Black, Indigenous, and LGBTQI writers and to develop collaborative artistic and cultural intellectual projects. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. It's my pleasure to talk to you.
0: Excellent, excellent. So let's just jump right in. So you're from Brazil. So tell us how you made your
1: way to Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm from uh, Feira de Santana in Bahia, Brazil. It's a city that's very close to the capital Salvador and I studied their letters. I studied English in Portuguese and during my master's, I found out about this opportunity through the Fulbright program. It's a program called Foreign Language Teaching Assistant and you can spend nine months in the United States teaching Portuguese. And I applied for that. And I never have left Bahia in my life. I lived my whole life in Bahia. And it was my first opportunity traveling abroad. And when I came to Pittsburgh, it was such a uh, a surprise to find the winter. <laughs> because in Bahia, we do not actually have winter. It's, mm-hmm. it's warm. The whole year round, so when I came to Pittsburgh, it was a real challenge to adapt to the winter here. So it was my first experience ever living by year.
0: Wow, that is quite an adventure! <laughs> on. Um, so, so just thinking about the work that you're doing, how did you become interested in these intersections of gender and Portuguese and the diaspora?
1: During my master's program at the Federal University of Bahia, I had the opportunity to work with a project that involves thinking about Portuguese as a pluricentric language. Mm -hmm. So I got in contact with uh, the UP, that's the International Institute of the Portuguese Language. They were just starting this website that is focused on creating teaching materials that covers the variety of the Portuguese uh, language. So I was studying uh, about Mozambique, Angola, Guinea-Bissau, uh, Cape Verde, and all these countries that up to then I didn't have an idea that Portuguese was official language in all these countries in, in Africa and also East Timor. So it was my first contact with this whole diversity of the Portuguese world. So and when I started researching being part of this program, it just broadened my, my perspective about the Portuguese language and thinking about the diversity of ways of being in this language, the the different ways that you can express yourself in, in Portuguese the different accents, the different meanings of words. So for me, it was a great experience to be part of this project and to be able to get in contact with this variety of of Portuguese. And also coming from a family that my mom didn't have the opportunity to get formal education until she was very old. And I was also in contact with this diversity of Portuguese and many different levels of education in my own family, in my own city, and also studying uh, literature, studying linguistics, and I was always like creating these connections about the different ways that you can use Portuguese in your life, in my own context, and also especially when I got in contact with this project.
0: Excellent. Um, so thinking about that and your introduction to languages and your evolution as a scholar, how, this, how does that connect with the work that you, that you do as a
1: scholar? So with this project, I was starting to work a lot with the prejudice that many people have against different ways of speaking Portuguese like for example, people who did not get access to formal education that they use Portuguese in a very specific way. And many times in different spaces that they navigate with the language, they suffer a lot of prejudice because of the way they speak. So I started being very focused on uh, promoting this idea of the diversity of the Portuguese language about respecting all different, all these different ways that you can use the language. And Then when I was teaching here at the University of Pittsburgh, because the Portuguese program is part of the department that is focused on literature, I had the opportunity to start thinking about these connections of literature in my work of teaching Portuguese. For example, starting including black women uh, authors in my classes, so they would have the experience to get to know how these women are using the language to express themselves, so exposing the students to this variety of ways to use the language. So I started connecting uh, literature and uh, linguistics, like using literature as a way that the students could live in Portuguese, experience the Portuguese language in a different way, and that's how I started actually my program the, the phd program because I became so much more interested in literature and researching about these poems and because I work primarily with poetry because also for for the language class the poems with their short uh, the short extent of the poems it's easier to to work with them in class I started to be more and more interested in poetry. And that's how I developed this project to start the PhD in literature.
0: I want to go back to something you said about the stereotypes with the, is it, is it about the regional uh, accents in Portuguese or national accents in Portuguese or a combination?
1: I think it's like a combination, but for example, the region in Brazil, that's the Northeast is where I'm from. I experienced traveling for example to Rio de Janeiro Sao Paulo that's the southeast of Brazil that people would have these stereotype about how north people from the northeast would speak the language Just say that oh, always speak it very slow we like we take our time then we pronounce things in 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 a, in a different way That would so i had this experience like personally and i also see like uh, the, in national uh, TV, they always have these jokes about the way people talk in, in Bahia, especially so that we're lazy, that we, we're so lazy that we speak very like slow and we take our time, we're just relaxing, so I see this in like, the national level, depending on different regions in Brazil but also related to the, to the level of education that a person has. Like if you use some expressions in a way that is not considered correct grammar, that's not considered like the correct way to use the language, that people like suffer a lot of prejudice depending on what they are, who they're talking to because of the very structure of the language that they use that it's different from the standard.
0: Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about that, and your work as an educator, uh, and your work as a poet, and, and then founding this Poetry Collective. So how does the collective, or, or does your poetry address some of these issues? Or uh, we'll just I'll let you elaborate on what, you, what, you, what, what kind of work, what kind of themes you all work on.
1: Yeah, I started this Poetry Collective when I was teaching one of my courses. That's the advanced level of Portuguese. Here, that's the grammar and composition. And I found that my students they were very interested in, in literature and getting to know more about Brazilian literature. But sometimes we within the the, the curriculum that we have, there's not much space to to work with this in our classroom settings, like within the curriculum. So I proposed the idea for us to meet and a time in a different day from our class, so we can just talk about poetry. We, we can talk about it, we can read some poems, we could start translating some poems because sometimes I noticed that for students, even though they were an advanced level of Portuguese and especially work with poetry, going deep, deeper and deeper into the possib- possibility possibility of meanings of words, So we found the necessity to start translating this, like to connect this, like how this word could be expressed in different languages, especially English and Spanish. That was like the background of uh, many of my students. So we started thinking about how could you say that in Spanish? How could you say that in English? So we started this this meeting uh, to get to know more about this uh, literature and especially Black women, contemporary Black women poets, because many of my students, they were familiar with big names of the Brazilian literary canons related to poetry, like Carlos Dumont de Jandara, Josueva Andrade. they were already familiar with that because also many of my students were in the literature program. So they were very curious about Wow, there are so many writers, so many poets that I never heard of, that they're talking about so many topics that's so important for our uh, context, the context that we're living in. So that's how we started, like, because we found the necessity to get to know more. And it was an experience for me to also get to know more about Brazil because. One author is going to lead you to the other, and then you start looking for them, you start finding amazing people that you never heard of them before. So it was a great experience for me as well to get to know more about what black women in Brazil are writing about, who they are, how can we find their books, how can you find their publications? So it was a great experience for me as well. I learned a lot through this experience with the collective.
0: Wonderful. And so then as as an educator and a poet and a scholar and an organizational founder, how then do you think would you say that your work contributes to our understanding of Afro Latin American and Afro or other African diasporic uh, communities, especially in terms of language and identity?
1: So we noticed, uh, for example, that many of these authors have a very special focus and talking about identity, talking about the topic of identity, of self-definition, self-authorship, telling who they are and how their experiences are. And I noticed a lot of this, not only with Brazilian uh, writers, but also when we started expanding to read more of other Afro-Latin American writers, like writers from Colombia, from Costa Rica, and we started finding these common themes. For example, the poem, like a lot of poems, use, for example, the self-definition as negro or negra instead of using words like mulato, morena. And a lot of poems in English and in, in Portuguese, in Spanish, there are like a lot of poems that go to this theme of talking about who I am how I'm going to talk about myself, which words I'm going to to self-describe my experience. And then Brazil, for example, with the word negro or negra that still until today has a lot of uh, negative connotation related to the words and expressions that people use in daily life. So this process of self-identifying as negra and refusing being called morena or mulata, it's Present a lot, so it, it helps. For example, my students in, in our classes, there's always one lesson that people are learning about adjectives. How we're we going to describe people? How are you going to talk about their hair? I how's your hair? What color's the hair? In describing people, and when we are learning about Brazil, my students were always having this question: How am I going to talk about a person from Brazil who's Afro descendant? Because and the book, they would have expressions like moreno, morena. And then that's interesting because you have this visual representation, people with very similar uh, skin color. And then in one of them, it says moreno. And then the other one, it says negro. And they were like, what are we going to say? Like, how are you going to navigate this? And then the poems were great to to discuss this, because then you have many poems that even from like the 18th of uh, the 19th century to the 20th century to 21st century, you have like this diversity of poems of people are saying, Eu sou negro, so negra, don't call me Moreno, don't call me mulata, I'm negro. So Seeing this in the poems, seeing how people from different generations and different backgrounds are using these words to self-describe, and then we also found this in like a Colombian, an afro colombian poem that uh, this poet she says "negra soy," okay. yes, "negra soy," and then the various poems that they use the word as well. So I think these poems give us like a deeper understanding about how these communities want to be treated, how do they want to identify themselves, how, how do they experience this word and their lives, and how this word is connected to a history of discrimination, of racism, and how they're dealing with this. Because for example, some poems talks about this trajectory of how you felt about this word at a certain period of your life, and how do you feel it now, So to show that also it's a process of self-love, learning how to love your hair the way it is, learning how to love your features the way it is, So I think these poems give us this opportunity to go deep into this experience and learn more about how people are dealing with the problems they are experiencing and how they're using poetry, how they're using literature as a way to talk about these things in a very creative way and in a way that goes deep into people's feelings. And then it it helps us connect connect at this human level, Mm -hmm. connect in in a deeper level. Because with a poem, you cannot just read if I say, oh, this is what this poem is about. That you can never say that about a poem you ever read it again. A poem is always asking you to read me again, read me again, look deeper, take a moment, take a moment and read it again. So I think this experience of actually going back and rereading and thinking about different possibilities I think it helps uh, people to get to know more about the African American communities, because it's not just a a fast look. You just look at superficially. You have to go deeper.
0: Yes. So it's such an an intriguing, amazingly rich set of multiple cultural expressions. And just thinking about that, uh, particularly you mentioned about discrimination and stereotypes. How do you think of how do they connect with some of the more urgent issues in Afro-Latin America and the way that language intersects
1: with all of those all of those levels? Yeah, because these poems, for example, that you read, it's a call for attention to, to very important, uh, difficult uh, situations that uh, we face. Because even though we think about this poets, it's not like this, like women authors, they only talk about racism all the time. Like they only write about racism, they only talk about this. But racism, it is something that it's going to cross those people's experience. It doesn't matter where you're talking about, what you're writing about, you're coming from this uh, intersecting experience that's going to be present in your life. And then these poems, they talk about very difficult topics that sometimes it might be very difficult to address to talk in a different uh in a different context in a different way and especially uh things related to uh to safety like how we feel like our life is in danger all the time that you face like many different uh Difficult situations that put your life in danger just for being who you are, just for looking the way you you look like, and they always bring these topics to their to their poetic expressions as well. The worries about safety, the the worries about health, the worries about uh, education opportunities, and the way that you can use the language in many different ways and i think these very urgent uh problems that we face as uh american people it 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 comes out in those poems as well and then it comes out in a way that it it makes it easier to deal with to talk about it because i think when you put it in words you put it in a poem it is a space that it also of healing Because you're already in the process of healing when you're putting that into words in a poem that you can talk about, you can discuss about very difficult issues, very difficult uh, things. And I noticed, for example, when we read poems in in our collective that are related to this aspect of of, of racism and talking about uh, feeling unsafe, thinking about your health, I think that the discussion, it, it flows in a way that it wouldn't happen if you were just reading like a a journal, uh, an, an article in a newspaper related to the same topic, because the poem, in a way that it goes to to the more like human level of it, to the feelings, to your emotions, and then you start connecting with that in many different ways. That it's, I think, it it, it makes it somehow easier to, to deal with it, to discuss about it and thinking about how can I write about my own experiences as, as well. So you use these poems as also prompts to think about your own experience and how you could put this in, in words and then use this poem as this space of refuge that you can go into and then you feel safe that you feel that you you can be free you can have autonomy because the poem gives you this liberty of using the word the way you want to use so there is no like rigid regulation in a poem so even if you think that you have a different level of knowledge of the language you can play with it. You can be free to choose how you want to say it. You can change the order, you can think. You can change the syntax, you can play with the semantics and think about the many different possibilities of meaning. So it's this space of, of freedom that you don't feel like that you have to choose your words uh, with such rigid regulation. So I, I believe poetry give us this freedom of to- the topic you're going to talk about, how you're going to talk about it, and also the space of silence. Because poetry invites you to this moment of silence, and think of silence not as a bad thing. Like If you think of a, a prose, there's not much space there to, to make this pause and think about. like The whole page, there's not much blank space. But the poem, it already gives you this blank, around it or between the words. So that's the space for silence as well. And I think the silence is also important for the learning process. We learned a lot through silence. So the moments that we take a breath and then think about it, if you make that pause. And I think poems also give you sometimes this pause, this necessary pause to, to think and to be with yourself.
0: Well, you put it so beautifully. I mean, the poetry as freedom, as a refuge, and the kinds of issues that it addresses that are clearly transnational and global when you're talking about the African diaspora all over the world, really. So I want to shift gears a little bit here and share your creativity with the audience through one of your poems. So
1: this one is called, in Portuguese, Canto de Sereia. Leite Derramado. Sangue derramado Mães, não adianta chorar? Amado, foi, intensamente Pássaro-peixe no fundo do mar Canto de sereia, teu barco vai afundar Lá, lá, iá Armado, de sonhos, do verbo sonhar Voa, passarinho, canta teu canto Canto de sereia, teu barco vai afundar La la ya. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. In, English, in English, it's called Mermaid Singing. Spilled milk, spilled blood. Mothers, don't cry. Beloved was, intensely. Bird fish at the bottom of the sea. Mermaid Singing your boat will sink, la la ya. Arm it with dreams of the verb to dream. Fly, little bird, sing your song. Mermaid singing, your boat will sink, la la ya. Thank you, that was beautiful.
0: What advice would you give to people, to students, to general audiences interested in learning more about this topic or these communities? What can they do right now?
1: I think well, one very simple thing would be read more what they're producing, what they're writing, because I talked about my personal experience that I learned a lot as well. Even though I am a person of African descent from Brazil, I learned so much about the different experience of black women in Brazil. And especially if you think about this diversity that involves to be an afro American person, it's not just one thing that we do not think the same way about these topics, just getting in contact with this diversity of ways of experiences. So reading reading a lot, like read greatly, do not just pick one author, say, oh, I'm going to read this out there. Read many of them and look for those publications because sometimes they're not going to be easily available in bookstores and space that you usually go. So dig deeper, like try to see where they are How can you find those publications and read them? Like read them because read them, it's a way that you can have this communication. And also if you have the opportunity, expand your friendship, uh, uh, how do you say that? Expand the 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 ways, yeah, your circle. Because sometimes we are uh, around the same people all the time, people who look, like you, think like you, is expanding this circle, like getting to know more people, getting to know many, many people who have like a lot to contribute to our uh, self-development as a human being. So that would be my advice because like sometimes I, I hear this, as, as people say, it's a joke, but it's real that people come to you and say, oh, I think this is okay because I have a Black friend who said that this is okay. But it's like, you have one Black friend and this one person does not represent the whole community. You have so many different people who think differently. So we have generational difference, you have regional difference, you have so many ways that we can Think of that people think differently. We are a complex community. So you need to dig deeper and get to know as much as you can. Like really immerse, like immerse yourself uh, in this this literature, because that's something that we did a lot. Like I did it a lot with the the white literature in Brazil. I know a diversity of authors. So I think the same uh, exercise it's necessary to, to get to know better the Afghan American community, immerse yourself and be open to, to know more and more as much as we can.
0: Excellent, thank you so much. Those are fantastic words to close off with. Read, read, read and expand your circle and just be open to the new possibilities in that realm. Um, Thank you so much for joining us today. And we look forward to hearing more poetry in the
1: future. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here with you. And I hope we can talk more about poetry at some other time. Absolutely.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Dialogues and Latinidad, please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. For links to the resources mentioned in the interview, visit our website at com forward slash podcast.